Lanterncast presents Pre-Birth Episode 8 Yes, we're back to conclude this also thrilling three-part story with a little one-issue epilogue, if you will <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a four-part story It really is, it kind of is funny that the way they, they just didn't ha- really call it a four-part story Yeah, yeah, it's... I, I guess they wanted to emphasize the epiloginess of the fourth part, but it's definitely a four-part story. True. That is true. And, and, you'd, and you would think that they would, uh, maybe they also were playing up the stigmatist part. As far as they were concerned, the stigmatist part was probably maybe more of the, uh, maybe more of the official trilogy as far as they were concerned. I don't know. But, yeah. but who knows? All right, so... So in this episode, we're going to cover Spectre number eight and number nine. So as I kind of already alluded to, this will be part. I, I'm going to do issue eight, which will technically be the third and final part of the Redeemer story arc, and then Jim's going to do episode nine, which is going to be the epilogue. But but as you will see, these issues kind of definitely they're kind of they do com- they definitely complete each other, or one picks up immediately after the other and concludes the themes. So where we left off on a on a virtual cliffhanger in which uh, Hal's brother Jack, right? This one's Jack because we got a lot of Jordans in these two ep- <laughs> in these two issues. Yeah, yeah, this uh, one's definitely Jack. Uh, Jack and his wife were just got into a massive car accident, which was caused, of course, by Monsieur Stigmatis. <laughs> so this so this issue issue 9 picks up right afterwards and Stigmanus who pretty much had been giving us narration before continues to give us narration because we're at the accident scene and they're taking away Jack and his wife and he's just most of what he says it's just like it's not really worth talking about though he does when he gets to the point that they kind of watch when they watch people when people watch accidents they kind of watch with secret glee because it kind of makes them happy in a way <laughs> because because death is kind of preoccupied and can't come for them so an interesting concept it is an interesting concept that's why i figured that part was worth mentioning and he, when even stigmatis when he's talking about it and it's not like he even has a he has a completely blank look on his face and he goes faulty logic unquestionably but without their illusions and delusions what would the poor creatures have left? As as that as his narration trails off, and appropriately enough, we see a picture of Jack and his wife in the corner, you know, their wedding picture, just as Hal arrives back at Jack's house with Helen. Um, he was re- So he returns Helen from their little adventures with Stigmanus in the last two issues. And Hal's pretty much he put, bringing her back to put her to bed, to, and, you know, it's just... Uh, Telling you know Helen we should be quiet because we don't we don't want to wake your parents. And as soon as he says that, you know he this really weird looking <laughs> look comes on his face the way it's drawn by by Ryan Sook anyway. But uh, it's just the fact that <laughs> it, it's just a it really is a weird look. It's just a, you know and kind of yellowish in the background, which is kind of in, always interesting with our with our, what we know now with parallax, but. But but essentially, uh, and and as you can tell, Jim and I are going to have fun, as much fun as we can with these two issues. That's Uh, the only thing that makes it work. (laughs) We're going to drive this home, people, as well as we can. So basically, the the weird look comes over Hal's face because it's almost like when his uh, specter spider sense goes off and he realizes something bad has happened to, uh, uh, to, to his brother. 
So at that moment, instead of leaving Helen pretty much at the house alone, he kind of like sent he kind of <laughs> he sends her back pretty much to his his fortress of solitude as uh, and we find this out more because of Stigmanus' narration. Uh, Hal's the specter shows up at the hospital, and we really really see how badly hurt Jack and his wife are. Uh, Hal pretty much knows that you know that that they're dying, and he uses his you know his his power to basically go into go into their brains to kind of get an image exactly of what happened and what caused the accident. And of course, he f figures out one, two, three that Stigmanus is the one that caused the accident. We briefly switch back to Hal's little you know little citadel there where. You know, Helen's by herself, and then Abin Sur seemingly shows back up to talk to her and try to comfort her and everything else. And but of course, it's really not Abin Sur. This is really Stigmanus pretending to be Abin Sur. The Stigmanus guy is a pain in the ass. <laughs> uh, a nurse will kind of a nurse now back at the hospital. The nurse walks in while Hal is the specter is kind of like looking over the bodies, and that's kind of cool because he he is in he's in his specter robes, but then like instantaneously changes into just a regular version of Hal Jordan, who says, you know, this I'm Hal Jordan. This is my brother. You know, uh, you know what happened. You know, can can I be here? Can I just have a few moments alone? And I like it's, it's like he's kind of like almost making he uses like Jedi mind tricks kind of on her on her to get her to leave. <laughs> Which I kind of like. Uh, then you have this really angry-looking, really angry face on on Hal Jordan as the Spectre, which is kind of interesting because this is one one of the one of the first issues I think during in the series in which he kind of like really, really, really seeming. It's he's really on the verge of going of truly embracing back you know the the, the spirit of vengeance even even if only temporarily. Uh, so so Hal pretty much is kind of. Making, he's like he's going Jack Jan. I don't know if you can hear me, but I'm pretty much. I promise you, I'm gonna find. You know, I'm gonna find who's responsible for this. Make them pay. Tear them to pieces. And then Hal does one of his one. One of the cooler things Hal does is the Spectre, which is kind of funny because even Stigmanus in his narration kind of points this out. That we've seen him do this before. I think we saw it especially in the with the Destroyer of Worlds arc when he was looking. I think he did that when he was looking for uh, Call. Yeah. That he breaks, he basically splits into like a whole, a whole countless number of like mini specters, if you will, sending them all in different directions, trying to search and find out exactly where Stigmanus is. While that's while that's going on, you know, Abin Sur slash Stigmanus is kind of kind of trying to do a psych job, and Helen, you know, making it sound like what is you know what is it really what does it really matter? Even if you're a good person and you live, you know, and you accomplish something and you dream, all the stuff, you're only going to end up. You're only going to end up dead anyway, so it doesn't really doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, Helen's not really buying his whole kind of, you know, his little lure to the dark side aspect. And as he, you know, as Helen kind of like in a, stands up to Stigmanus in her own, you know, relatively subtle, not angry way. That's when we see, you know, I like this too—a huge, like a huge in this panel, it's a huge center. In the center of it, it's a huge face of an angry Hal Jordan with so many of the other specters pretty much all coming, all coming home now to mer to merge into one. And Hal's pretty much telling telling Stigmanus is like, you know, when you challenged me to this game, you know, I kind of like uh, I told you to, to leave her alone, but you do, you wouldn't listen, and that's a pity. So Stigmanus like picks Helen up and kind of like threatens to drop her on her head, <laughs> and I. There are some, there are some really cool panels in this, I think, in this issue, and I like the fact that call, uh, call, Freudian slip. Now, uh, Stigmanus is preoccupied looking at the big, angry, full face of Hal Jordan as the Spectre he's talking to, and at that moment, you know, uh, he doesn't really, he doesn't seemingly see or realize that another version of Hal Jordan is materializing in back of him, so he can carry Helen away. So that little threat of killing her isn't going to work. Hal pretty much says, you know, I, you know, I'm kind of decided that I, that my predecessor had the right idea. So now, all the versions, all the versions of the Spectre kind of like, like fly back into Hal completely. And this is a really, this is a really freaky looking thing. That this is, it's all, it's this really mutated looking creature which is supposed to basically be the embodiment of all humanity's suffering. Like it's some malignant living tumor. That's the way it's actually described. And you know, Stigmanus is kind of looking at this, and and again, and Hal, I guess, probably deep down is really trying to uh, like either intimidate him or frighten him, but of course, it doesn't really work. 
you know, Stig, Hal, th- you know, threat, threatens to kill Stigmanus, but he kind of realizes he really can't do that. And he goes, oh, but, you know, but maybe you can't die, you know, Hal says, but maybe you can suffer. So he kind of, like, does a, does another old, like, an old Spectre trick of kind of, like, tossing him in his mouth. And <laughs> we, we've seen that quite often. Roll, roll him around with the Spectre tower. That's right. He, he, he's going he's gonna to slip him the tongue and not in a good way. And he's kind of like he's he's trying to uh, have Stigmata feel like all of human history, all all the misery, like freeze dried and injected into his bloodstream, which is a pretty cool, sick concept. But Stigmata, being Stigmata, just kind of laughs at all this, and it doesn't really phase him much. And and Hal kind of realizes on this one for the for the moment anyway, Stigmata has kind of got him because he basically Stigmata has made him play his game. That Hal has kind of given up temporarily on the idea of redemption, and the you know, redemption is a sham, and pretty much you know, you know, vengeance is the way to go. And Hal kind of realizes, he, you know, that, that he was wrong, and then Hal kind of takes Stigmanus and Helen almost like a. This is kind of like a we, kind of like a, and I think they, I think they touched upon this in another issue, kind of like the, the idea of maybe it was the last one with Helen's potential potential dual uh, fates. The idea that it's almost like a multiverse, but it's like a multiverse just based on more or less every kind of every kind of act that you do, every kind of vision, every any that almost anything that you do kind of creates a different p- potential reality. Bubbles of possibility, Hal refers to to them as every dream, every hope can lead to another bubble of possibility. And Hal takes them to you know a, a paradise, and you know. You know, this is a you know it's a possible future just to kind of show Helen in, in a way trying to stick it to Stigmana, saying, "Look, see the it's, the future is not necessarily bleak and just and horrible. It you know can be whatever we we really dream it to be." Then almost like in an instant, it turns completely desolate and it becomes very hell-like because pretty much we find out that Stigmana really can't think of anything other than n- negative, destructive thoughts, and in a way. In Stigmanus' mind, in his quote-unquote world, this is the only way things can end up because he can't process things in any other way. And for and for a minute, it seems like Hal and Helen are going to be caught in hell, and they're being dragged down into the muck by by these by these creatures, these demons. And Stigmanus, you know, he's he's kind of cocky. He thinks like you know, he thinks like he's won. But essentially, Hal kind of has captured him in one of these you know rea- these possible reality bubbles, and. And I like the fact that Helen kind of Helen points out that you know, you know he, he he couldn't really help being what he you know what he is or what he is he can't help he couldn't help what he was doing because he can't help what he is, so it's a very pos again a very positive concept or outlook expressed by Helen. So Hal kind of like kind of like shoots this little bubble of spec of Stigmatis off. So he's kind of so seemingly he's trapped for at least at least for now trapped in his own little private universe of despair as Hal refers it. Or refers to it as, um, as Hal and Helen go to to see uh, Helen's parents. We kind of see <laughs> poor Abin Sir, who has been trapped in this bottle for a while now <laughs> by Stigmatis, that he gets that this bottle with Abin Sir gets picked up by two hands. And we and we don't really know until next issue. We don't know who actually picked up the bottle. By the time we get to the hospital, unfortunately, we find out that the Jordans have died. Uh, and you know Helen's, you know Helen's pretty distraught. Hal's pretty distraught, and you know the first thing Hal Hal thinks of is like, oh, you know, I, I they're not lost. You know, it's it's like we basically we can still see them, or I can still take you to them. And Helen's like, where are we? You know, Helen asks Hal, and he goes, isn't it obvious, sweetheart? We're in heaven, and we see see like a swirling in the light, walking into the light kind of image of of Jack and Jan. Waiting for Hal and Helen, and next issue, into the afterlife. Yep. So what you think? Um, garbage. Uh, come on, Jim. <laughs> um. Okay. God. For the most part, I really, I, I just did not like this this issue, just because it's such a, such a morose, like sad you know, sad sack issue. That is true. That part is true. It's certainly, it's certainly not, a, it's like a lot of these issues. Well, I, sh- it's a lot, I should say it's, it's like a lot of these issues, at least for like three quarters through. 
that there's a lot of three quarters of kind of desolate and dismal in there, and then you get to the end where you kind of kind of get like the the moral of the story kind of conclusion, which kind of makes you hopefully realize that things are not quite as bad as maybe it seemed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the, that moral of the issue kind of thing. It's it's an interesting concept here, but I mean, like immediately afterwards, like we go and find out that Helen's parents are dead. So, I mean, it's like, it's like, you know, okay, well, this is going to start off real sad and everything like that with the car crash. And then Hal's going to like go after, you know, Stigmanus and like the punishment that he gives to him doesn't work at all. It's basically giving him exactly what he wants, you know? So, like, that's when finally we get to, you know, what could possibly bring him to the, you know, bring us to the, you know, the upswing of the issue, only to have it come, like, crashing right back down again with the parents, like, being confirmed dead. Here they are in heaven. So. But, I mean, like, as far as what I actually did like about this issue, that that beginning part with the the concept of like everybody wanting to go see a car accident because if death is coming for someone else, then you can justify that it's not coming for you. So yeah. that, that part, that was interesting. Yeah. The one thing that's the one thing we certainly can say about this series, even though again, you and I so far, I'm sure it's going to continue. We debate the merits of some of the points that they raise. And some of them resonate more with you or, or me or that, it's certainly it's certainly not a series that was wanting for big ideas. <laughs> it certainly reached for a lot of big, heavy concepts, and whether you accept them all or you or even like them all, it certainly it certainly was a metaphysical point in a deeper point than you would get in a lot of series. So they don't always work, or we disagree, but or sometimes we're in agreement that they don't work. But the point is, I think, but. Yeah, it seems like almost every issue has one of those little teeny points that, even if it's not a main focal point of the story, it makes you go, yeah, that's, got, that's kind of an interesting concept. So. Um, what you call it? Uh, so, a, a couple of uh, my, my major issues with this issue. The fact that Hal Jordan, as the Spectre, like, he's got tons and tons of power. He can't heal them while they're still alive. Yeah, I thought about that, too. Uh, you know, like, he goes there, he's looking straight at him, like, you know full well that he could, you know, pull some mumbo-jumbo, because they're not dead, so he's not pulling any strings at this point, you know, so, like, it really, it would have just been healing, like, even if they were, like, paralyzed or whatever like that, it would have been something, but, um, you know, like, that, that was kind of weak, but then the other thing that I was thinking about was that they make a point of saying that that Stigmanus is basically he's a reflection of you know the uh, of mankind's like you know um, despair and let's see misery or whatever it was and misery yeah all that stuff. So I mean, like I get that he thrives on misery and suffering and everything like that, but if he's the embodiment of misery then, like, why the hell is he capable of causing misery? Hmm. Like, how the fuck is this guy capable of, like, causing the accident that, that, you know, ends up killing Helen's parents? That's, like, that's the big, like, that's the big catch. Because Hal, like, he immediately knows that it is Stigmanus. And it was Stigmatis because he appeared out of nowhere, like, just standing in the middle of the road in, like, a bright light, and the parents swerved out of their way to not kill the man that was standing in the road, which, he's not a man, he's a meta metaphysical being that nobody other than, like, Hal and Helen should be able to even see. He, he's the misery entity, man. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's 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 actually a pretty good point. I guess it's, but we, I think we've seen a lot of these in this series, and even I think there's a lot of things that supposedly exist like in different planes, and I guess they can they can manifest themselves on our on the 
our plane, the Spectre's plane. So I think I do know what you're saying, but I think that's probably like kind of long, along the ways. Either that, or because there is so much misery and there's so much disappointment and disgust and all the ne- and all the negativity, that almost like it maybe. In a way, maybe like a, a Freddy Krueger kind of analogy, because of the fact that he that he draws so he's drawn so much power from that that now he, that he that he kind of exists, he exists on a, on a different level. And if there wasn't so much misery, misery, and if the and if the world were a better place, then he would he would be much weaker, and he wouldn't be able to really you know reach out and, and have his have the effect on people. I mean, like I think that's a great justification that you came up with. And and it just hit me too, so thanks. I'll take that as a compliment. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, like that would be a really good, you know, explanation. But they don't—they don't even allude to that in the comic. I mean, like in the last issue—well, not the last issue, uh, two issues ago. I guess it was uh, issue six when, like, Stigmanus is like standing like right next to that guy as he picks up the gun. You know, like, it could very well be that that guy was planning on it or he was thinking about it, and it was like, you know, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I, and all the, you know, the embodiment of all the collective despair in the universe sitting next to you, you know, could conceivably, like, just whisper in your ear, you know, to push you over the edge. That, I'll give them that. I will give them, you know leeway enough on that that he can do that but to physically manifest himself as a as a a human being standing in the road to cause them to go off the road it just it seems like you know it's it's kind of ridiculous well you know it it's also possible it's also possible that now we we saw like stigmanus pop onto the road looking like stigmanus it's possible that that Jack and Jan didn't see that. We know he he Hal was able to go into his head, their heads, and know it was Stigmanus. But that could be because it's Hal's and, and its power as the Specter that he was able to see through what was maybe what was there. I'm not saying I'm just throwing this. I'm spitballing. I'm throwing this out there. But it's possible that maybe he appeared as as more like a normal person to them. To us, we know it was Stigmanus. Hal can see through whatever they saw to know it was Stigmanus. But maybe they didn't pos- Maybe they did not see that. You know the that you know, quite appearing as you know freaky looking as as he did. Plus it was such a. And even if he did, it was such. And even if they, even if he he appeared to them like that, it was such a split second that you know they wouldn't have had time to process anything. Uh, but I don't know. But I I know what you're. I do agree. I think that I think it leaves it's open to. An, it's open to interpretation whether Stigmana should have had that much physical, or in general should have that much physical power when dealing right. in, in our plane anyway. But um, The other thing that I did like was the fact that they found a possible, you know, hope or dream of the future that is basically paradise. And all he sees is, you know, this despair, you know, hell, which would actually be his, you know, his very own paradise. Right. That. that so that's. So that's a. It's, it's the fact that that's one of the things I do like about this book. Like I said, not everything when you they throw against the wall sticks, but the fact that even in almost in every issue, there's at least one or two concepts they throw out there that at least makes you think and go, that's kind of interesting. I may not agree with it. Maybe I do agree with it, but it's really interesting the fact that they. Stuff, stuff that honestly would make you think about, you know, stuff that would, after you get done with the book, would make you, or while you're reading it, makes you think about, hmm, that's kind of, that's unique. I really haven't, you know, that's not how I normally would see heaven or hell or imagine even, you know, darker being seeing it. It's it, And the idea that, you know, pe- like you mentioned, the uh, thing in the beginning of the book with the people, see, you know, secretly uh, being, ha- being kind of happy in a way about, you know, that, Someone's being taken away in, a, in an ambulance because at least they know death. Death's kind of preoccupied for the time being. <laughs> so, yeah. So I think on that level it works, but I do agree. And I'm not quite sure if I'm happy with the resolution with Stigmanus really either. I think – actually, I do kind of like how they how he dealt with him. You know, you put him in his own personal paradise of despair. 
and, you know, thinking he won, you know, and he's just going to get lost in it, and you could just, you get rid of him, if you want to bring him back, you can, and, you know, either way, you want to work it. I, I think they dealt with that really well. Um, the one other thing that I did like was how, out of all of this, like, you, you know, like you were saying, with the moral of the story, how when Hal is showing them the multiverse of ideas and possibilities, how he said that, you know, I could almost thank you, Stigmanus, for pushing me so far, I see now that I had to become you in order to transcend you. Yes. That yes. was that was a great, you know, that and like, you know, the, the previous, you know, co- you know, leading up to that and then his explanations after that were pretty good. And I... And I do I agree that it was the it was clever dealing with and I guess maybe I should amend my statement about I wasn't entirely happy with it but the way they, they dealt with stigmanus because especially based on the fact that you you know that or at least you you want to set it up for so stigmanus can come back down the road anyway but it, it was a cle, it was a clever way of dealing with it and I think. When I, when I was reading it, it reminded me also of the end. I actually it reminded me at the end of uh, Parallax View, when after Hal flies off and he and he after he's decided you know it's time for him to be something else and gives the ring back to Kyle. When when he has that vision of oh Co City and Hal Jordan flying around as Green Lantern, I think like a, saving a puppy and giving it back to a kid, and then you just see like, like kind of like Hal just curled up in a little ball, just imagining all this stuff in his head. Because that's yeah, kind of like yeah. his, like his, that's his dream of what of in a in a of a in a perfect of a perfect world now for Hal Jordan. That's what it would kind of be like. That's so that I kind of like that. That's what it reminded me of that. Yes, Stigmanus is kind of in a similar place where he's not. He's like trapped in his. He is more trapped, but still he's just in his own thoughts in his own mind. He's in his in his perfect place, and and for now at least that's that's enough for him. A good and a, so. So I agree. I think on that level, it was a, a satisfying resolution to the threat. So the last thing that I'll mention is that uh, on the same page that Abinzer gets picked up by those gloved hands. Yes. The cemetery. There's a couple of those statues that look very phallic. Yes, <laughs> especially especially the one on the right. Yeah, yeah, the one on the left, not as much, but the one on the right, like a hundred percent. So, and the and the trees in the background on the left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. So there you go. So what are you trying to say, David Mateus? <laughs> or suck? <laughs> or that's right. Or suck. It could have been. It could have been suck. <laughs> suck could have been suckering us in. <laughs> <laughs> Bam! You got sucked. <laughs> okay. Ready for? Okay, it? so. Uh, ready for issue nine? Ready for issue nine? Go okay. The gates of heaven and the doors of hell. Yeah. Now this is this actually was a, a pretty, pretty interesting one. That's a cool cover too. Yeah, yeah, much better than what we've been seeing. Yes. So, we start off with Abin Sir in his little blue bottle, and he's the the bottle is placed on a stove with Abin in it, and uh, the stove is turned on, so he's starting to boil, and he's screaming for help. Uh, flash over to Hal and Helen, and they're in like the the waiting room of heaven, where Jack and Jan are just about to cross the threshold into heaven. So Hal thinks that he can, you know, still reconnect them with their bodies because they haven't actually passed over yet. But before he's able to do that, we get a visit from yet another Jordan, Jim. Yes, that's right, James Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) And he looks like Cyclops. Yeah, he's got, like, heart-shaped glasses. They look heart-shaped anyway. They kind of do, yeah. So, anyway, yeah, he's an angel. Uh, Apparently he died in Coast City, which I completely forgot. 
So, yeah, it, it was something that it was something that kind of ret, kind of retconned away. Obviously, since we know in current continuity, Jim is alive. <laughs> yeah, real weird how they retconned Jim back to life, but not Jack. <laughs> that, Jack that is true. That Jack lived longer in this universe anyway. Ah, uh, whatever. It's meaningless anyway. Were, weren't they both supposedly supposedly killed at one point in Coast City? Because wasn't Jack wasn't Jack the one who originally in I. Who we thought was dead in Coast City, and then they did, and then they decided not to make him dead, just maybe because of for the whole Spectre thing. For some reason, I thought I thought Jack was kind of dead, unless I'm unless I'm confusing Jim. Maybe I am confusing the fact that we know Jim is currently alive, certainly in 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 New Fifty Two into the you know the Rebirth era. Uh, he's he's alive, but. I don't know, but yeah, he's def he's definitely not alive here. We have we have we have dead, dead Jordans up the wazoo. <laughs> he is most certainly dead here. So he's an angel, and yeah, so uh, yeah, they're all talking about you know dying and heaven and uh, uh, jazz like that. I I, I wasn't. I, I this is the kind of thing where like you know no matter how many times I'll read it, it's just like. It's just there. It's just kind of there. He's just greeting them. Then we flash over to a boiling bottle of Abin, sir. <laughs> Being scooped up by some sort of devil woman. And she she lets him out of the bottle. Then she turns into some kind of... Uh, I don't even know. Like a devil brain creature i know i've seen this thing before i have no idea what it is i think it, I, I think it's like one of the other incarnations of the devil but regardless um yeah this brain like you know at one point chomps his head off and he grows a new one back but basically you know the devil is just saying to Abin, sir that you know you failed your mission uh, at trying to re redeem hal and he's like, no, you know, you brought me back here because I was succeeding. You know, I, I, I am making a difference. And uh, she's like, yeah, but, you know, like all the things that you've done, you know, he could have done that without you. So you're still useless. Do you, you know, do you deny that, that, you know, you were responsible for, you know, him and everything that he had done, killing off all the Green Lanterns and blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, at first he's like, you know, it's like, no, it was the ring's fault. The ring, you know, is, was the one that chose him. And it's like, oh, so now it's the ring's fault, is it? <laughs> yes, yes. No. <laughs> so the, so apparently Abin was split into like two parts. One part was with Hal. The other part was still suffering in hell. So uh, the devil just kind of remerged them so that now both of them were suffering hell. Um, and I like the fact that they're being like they're being like uh, probed and dissected by aliens. Like the Greys, that the Greys have like kidnapped Abin Sur and are conducting experiments on him, which is kind yeah. of an, kind of an interesting. It's kind of in a way, it's kind of pretty plain for something you would think. But Abin Sur, with all his experience and everything that he's as as we go on and we get more of an explanation for this, it would seem like Abin Sur would have would have experienced other things in his life, which would have been a worse thing to imagine, you know? <laughs> right. So, uh, we go back to the heaven thing, and uh, we're at the the burning thing for Co-City, like the burning, um, I guess, tribute flame. The eternal flame? Yeah, for Co-City. And, you know, they're all there, the two, you know, the two parents that are about to go into heaven, Helen, uh, Angel Jim, and Spectre Hal. And uh, this then there's this really weird concept that apparently all the souls in Co City had an agreement to die together. So they all chose to die at the same time, um, which is oh so bad. We'll get to that. Group karma, as they refer to it as. Group karma. So. Uh, you know, basically he's also trying to, you know, let him know that this is just one lifetime. Their souls will get, you know, rebooted again and they'll live new lives and whatnot. 
So, you know, it's just one life. And Hal's, you know, trying to, you know, impress that, you know, every life is, is uh, important. Each moment of each life is important. And, you know, the uh, the angel of Jim is just like, you know, well, yes, each, each moment of life is definitely precious. But so is each moment of death. And then he shows them the personal heaven of Jack and Jan. And in this particular version of heaven, uh, Helen is there. And they're being joined by Hal, uh, Jim, it looks like, and even uh, their parents. Um, you know, the parent Jordans. And then Jim goes on to explain that a piece of your soul that transcends time is still in heaven and is kind of like processing the love for and from these people that their personal heaven exists for. If that makes any sense. It, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, but you know, that's as much of a, a sense that I, I can make of it. So, you know, it's like you'll basically just have to, you know, live with the you know, knowing that a piece of you is, you know, still receiving the love from them in heaven. So that's, you know, that's not so bad uh, an idea. No, it's not. And then Hal's like, you know, but that's just not good enough. And, you know, like, you know, the Jim's like, you know, it's like, you know, but this is about you. You know, you want them back because of you. And, uh, you know, it's like, well, you know, it's not just me. It's also, you know, Helen. You know, she needs her parents. And then Helen's just like, I need you, Uncle Hal. Like, you know, come on, kid, give me a, <laughs> cut me a little slack here. I'm, I'm going on this big, you know, tirade about how you need your parents. And you're like, nope, <laughs> just need you. I almost got him back and now you blew the deal. <laughs> yeah, so after that, you know, after she says that, he's just like, um, I gotta go. I gotta go do some thinking. And he just blinks out of existence, leaving Helen to just kind of like hang out in heaven for a little while. So, oh, and they, they they impress upon us multiple times that she's, like, super aware of things going on in, like, the metaphysical realm that other people would never even, you know, guess. So then we go back to Abin in hell, and he's being, you know, tormented some more, and the devil that's in charge of it is just, like, really, really bored. And, you know, Abin's just like, um, excuse me. It's like, well, you seem a little bored. She's like, well, of course I'm bored, you know. You've just been doing this over and over again. So, you know, it's like, why do you continue doing this? It's like, well, every time, you know, I think that I'm going to get away from it, somebody else keeps, you know, pulling me back in. And that's when Abin finally makes the realization that his hell is his own creation. So just like Jack and Jan creating their own personal heaven, Abin is creating his own personal hell. And that's when we kind of get the revelation that, you know, the the hell that Abin creates, you know, it's like whatever he thinks that he deserves. Um, you know, punish punishment for sins, both real and imagined, they say. And that's why and he says, you know, that's why my hell seems so much more human than a, uh, a, an Ungaran hell, because he, he associated so much with Hal Jordan. So after, you know, making this, this whole realization, he realized that, but wait a second, I don't have to be in hell. So, you know, all of a sudden, Abin realizes that he can be in heaven. And as he realizes that, Hal Jordan reappears in heaven and he says, I think I understand now. And now all of a sudden, instead of the monk robes, he's back in his awesome green lantern specter costume. Thank God. And no pun intended. Yeah. 
he comes to the realization that Jan and Jack were meant to die when Co City died, but their karma shifted so that they could continue raising Helen. And that might be what I was getting confused with. Maybe that's the concept I was thinking of, and I, and I zoned out about that. It was actually towards the back of this issue when we were talking about it. That I knew there was something about if they didn't die in Coast City, that they were supposed to die. And maybe that's maybe that's all I'm th- maybe that's all I'm thinking of. But hmm. but she's yet another interesting concept. So anyway, um, they you know they basically say their goodbyes. Jack and Jan pass into heaven for, you know, for a while anyway. They'll be back, they say, and they will, but not as Jack and Jan. And uh, as heaven, yeah, heaven basically starts to disappear. They go back to the uh, Fortress of Solitude. Because <laughs> I, I, I don't know what it's called. I don't, I don't know if they, if, I don't think they ever gave it a, a, an actual name. We should probably come up with something, maybe next episode. Yeah, that's a good idea. And uh, that's when Hal sees that Abed is there, and he gives him, like, the whole, you know, the whole rundown. And it's like, well, wait a second, you know, like, if you could go to heaven, then why wouldn't you stay there? And he's basically like, you know, because I see what you're doing, and I want to be a witness to it, you know, and, and help you. He's like, that's where, you know, friends are for. So, uh, you know, they, you know, they kind of end on that kind of sentimental note. And then Hal kind of, you know, says goodnight to, uh, well, not goodnight because she's already asleep, but he checks in on Helen, you know, and says, Jack, Jan, don't worry. She's in good hands. And I like the way they kind of, he kind of recreated not her bedroom and or their house kind of for Helen too, parts of it, so kind of make her at home in this like this this cosmic plane that they're actually <laughs> in but but there's a little touch of home in there <laughs> yeah yeah the bed and he, well he probably just transported he could have yeah but her wallpaper is now stars and they got the wedding picture that we saw in the beginning of uh what the last issue yeah yeah so this this was a much better issue You think so? <laughs> you disagree? I don't. I know. I don't necessarily disagree. I, but I, I think I kind of like both issues about the same. So I'm just. This issue is. This issue has a. It's a lot deeper. I would say. I, I think, and I do like the fact that we kind of get a. Because I'm pretty sure this is just more or less the same kind of devil or version of the devil we saw like in issue one, because she was female yeah. too that appealed. That appeared to Hal, and of course, Avansor kind of knew who she was too, so it would make sense. It's still, so I, I I do like the fact that she's the one who's kind of like roasting Avansor, and I do and I do like the fact that how they how they nicely bookended the heaven is kind of like you make your own heaven in your own mind and you make your own hell. So I do I do like that, which again is not a con, it's still a concept I think they've touched upon earlier in the series too. Obviously, there is a big that whole group karma thing. I'm sure you want to talk about. That's kind of a that's right up. That's another one of those big picture concepts. Just like how you know these certain individuals and souls are just bonded together and they just constantly come together. No matter their relation, the actual relationships may change. They may be friends. They may be lovers. They may be real. You know, they may be brother sister. How things change over in thousands of lifetimes, but they're always certain. Certain souls always come back together. That it's kind of like it's another big concept like that, and so I think that's uh, it is it is a trickier idea that they all were meant to die. You know, they basically were all meant to die together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. So I guess going back to the the better the, the better concept. Here we have, this is issue nine, and they finally give us an explanation as to why Abin was in hell for the things that Hal Jordan did. And it was solely because he himself felt responsible and felt that he needed to be punished because of it. So that was, that was a good, 
you know, that was a, a great, you know, a great thing to actually finally get to. I wish it had come before issue nine, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, they had to kill off Jack and Jan in order to, to tell this, you know, this dichotomy of heaven and hell story. So I guess that's what we had to wait for. You know, the, I, I really do actually genuinely like the concept that a piece of us from basically, like, in the future when we die is already in heaven, you know, in order to take part in these, you know, as like a, a shadow of ourselves in someone else's personal heaven that, you know, they would need us in their heaven for. You know, like that, that's great. That is true. That's a great, con- I, I agree. It's a, it's a, it's a great concept. Uh, as far as, as far as like a whole bunch of people agreeing to die together in karma, I, like it's, it's such a stupid idea. It's really, it, that's just a stupid idea because I mean, like, you know, it's things that people, one thing people don't have any control over like coast city being destroyed. And I mean, like, you know, what makes, well, I mean, like, I know that like, okay, Helen's technically special, but I mean, like, is Helen so special that she and her, you know, and her family deserve to live a little bit longer than like another family that has a child for all we know, maybe one of the other children was also destined to become, you know, a Helen level cosmic character. I, I mean, like, that's just that's a garbage concept. And it's intre- and it's interesting. And again, it it kind of shows you character development too. That Hal just completely you know rejects that concept immediately. When when you think about it, if it was it was a con- it was a concept that could ma- make him feel better about his guilt about not being able to save Coast City. <laughs> you know, it would be something that would naturally, I mean, not as guilt about what he did because of what happened with Coast City and and, and Emerald Twilight and everything, but the guilt that he had about and still has about not being able to save Coast City and not being there, that, that in a way that would kind of, you would think that would be something that it kind of would, you know, be a little tweak, would kind of uh, pull at him, at like even his whether you want to say his heartstring or heartstrings or something else, because it's something that if he would accept that, it would give him a certain amount of peace. But he, it's like much like with you, it's a concept that to him makes no sense. It just really, really angers him. Though I do like, I do like that panel when, uh, when Jim's talking about, you know, how they, how they were all, you know, they chose to all die. They needed to. They chose to die at the same time. When Hal's like at the plaque next to Coast City, and you just see the tear going down his face. I like that. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, let's see. Beyond that, I, I I went over it a couple of times. I still can't understand why, when he came back, he went from robes to the Green Lantern costume. Unless... Unless he did realize and he did make peace with the fact that all those people... <laughs> Wanted to die at the same time, and it just took a whole weight off his shoulders. <laughs> well, it's, I think I think what at the very least we know what he comes to grip grips with is the fact that uh, about Jan and Jack, that the anger, whatever anger or the the need for him to hold on to them, because as, as you described, in the when when. Hal kind of rejects out of hand, you know, that's not, that's not good enough, the explanation that, that Jim gives him, you know, he, the first thing that he says is, you know, he starts going on about how, you know, I need, basically, he needs some family to hold on to, he needs something to let, to ground him, and that's why he doesn't want to lose Jack and Jan, and that's when, you know, it gets counted, you know, so it's really all about you, so when he returns at looking, you know, looking as, not Monk Spectre, but, but Green Lantern-ish Spectre, that that's when he that's when he under, he's come to grips and he understands, you know that yeah I understand why Jack and Jan had to die now it wasn't so much because it's these 
and it, this is a it would make sense from a conceptual point of view why he would be willing to accept it more than Stigmanus just you know playing God. It's the fact that really these two characters, these two beings, were really meant to die in a different place, and they kind of circumvented their fate. And there was a reason for it because of Helen, but kind of like you know you can only kind of you, you can only kick the can down the road so far. So I think so I kind of so I do kind of like and that so that that sim. Seemingly and symbolically is why he can't, he he changes ca- costumes again, but it is kind of hard to necessarily know why what symbolizes what because it's not like him being in his Green Lantern costume is more of a necessarily a vengeful Hal Jordan, and it's not like and, and the monk costume seemingly was more like the metaphysical Hal Jordan. So I don't know. All we know is the, the Green Lantern costume looks much better. <laughs> That's for damn sure. That's for, that's for Abensor. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that I would possibly let it slide with is that when he comes back, he's come to grips with the fact that he has to protect her. Yes, that's and true. He has maybe a, new like, mi- a new mission. Yeah, and that protect you know protective aspect of him, you know, is more the the Green Lantern costume. So, so did you like these two issues better than the first two, or about the same? And this story, I know it's been like a month say, since we did this, but yeah, I I can't remember entirely, but I think these, like this, dealt with some some garbage concepts, but they were a lot easier to grasp. I think, you know, these these read easier. I would say. So it, you know, I, I think I got a little bit more enjoyment out of them. Uh, the the heaven and hell issue, I think, was a really you know, like I said, it was a long time coming. So I'm glad we finally got to that. But um, I'm glad that that Abin Sir, you know, is back on board to to hang out with Hal, even though he found redemption. Yes. So that'll be interesting to see how he acts differently now. Yes, and Abensor has a quite an interesting little, another little twist in Abensor's story as the story as this uh, series goes on. There's another, there's another quite an again dealing with bigger issue concepts and and karma and things like that. It's just a very interesting. Again, we'll be curious to see if we if we agree whether it works. <laughs> but there's but there are there's definitely yet another twist with Abensor coming for people who haven't actually read this series. There's actually another big twist coming. Uh, not not a negative one necessarily, but it's it's it is something that does, based on where we are now and everything we had seen in the first uh, eight or nine issues, it is kind of a something you wouldn't ex- you wouldn't expect. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and on that note, and the next issue, which would be cool, which we'll probably handle just as a one-off. Uh, We'll, we'll have to double check to make sure. I'm pretty sure issue ten is. I'm pretty sure issue ten is another multi-issue arc. So the, the odds are it'll be much like our two-face issue. The I mean a two-face episode about that issue. That uh, the next issue deals with parallax, which which is a part of the Joker's you know the last laugh tie-in that they did during this time frame. So basically, it's Hal's the Spectre meeting Parallax, which will be quite interesting as a story. And of course, we also will be able to look at it. Knowing what we know now and being able to apply that to that issue as well. Yeah, like that has anything to do with anything. Yeah, I know, but it, but, <laughs> but, but, but it'll give us something else to talk about that issue because as far as one, you know, is a one-issue storyline, uh, it's probably not gonna, probably not gonna give us all that much. <laughs> but I do remember, I do remember it being a good issue though. I do remember that being one, certainly one of my favorites. Probably not just because of stealing with parallax though. To a large extent, probably why, but the art the art's also better too because I are and I, as I draw a blank at his name now, but the the our friend who drew the, the Two Face issue comes back for uh, the spe, the uh, Parallax issue too. So is that Craig Hamilton? Yeah, it's correct. It is Hamilton. Good good call. That's that Mr. Hamilton returns. So the, that so the artwork definitely kicks up a notch too. Nice. So. Before we go, we actually have, and we kind of, we have a, ever, ever so briefly, we actually have a, we were mentioned in an email. We actually received an email. T- <laughs> we actually, were, and not like, and not like a, you guys absolutely suck. It wasn't like that either. 
<laughs> hey, I noticed you guys also have a podcast. <laughs> that's right. And moving on. <laughs> that's, that's right. I listened to it for three seconds. It sounded good, but, but then I had to I had to walk the dog. Uh, but this is actually technically our the first pre-birth exclusive email. We've been mentioning you know bigger emails and related to all in all encompassing things, and and <laughs> on a lantern cast feedback, but. So, all bad things, all bad things. That's right. So this, so this is from Laurel, who is one of our, one of our relatively new listeners. I'd say over the last year, Laurel has she's emailed us quite a bit, actually. So she just wrote wrote us and said, "Just a quick note to let you know how much I'm enjoying your pre-birth series. I've listened through episode three, including 2.5, and as soon as I can dig out my copies of the Spectra, I'll be getting to the rest of the shows." So. Thank no you. rush. <laughs> we'll be here for a while, but thank uh, you very much, Laurel. I'm glad to know that it's good. It's very nice to hear that you're you're enjoying the show as I'm not going to say necessarily as much as the regular show. Maybe we can hope, but it's good to know that you at least are enjoying both, you know, the Lantern Cast proper and and this spinoff. So, and we do appreciate your feedback. And here's your shout out for being a great Lantern Cast fan, and and hopefully you'll. Feel free, anyway, to let us know what you think of once you catch up with the other episodes and other issues of the Spectre that we cover, and let us know your thoughts. Since obviously there's there's a lot of depth involved here, so <laughs> and in these and these stories, they work. Some work, some concepts work, some concepts don't. But at the end of the day, it gives it certainly gives you more stuff to talk about, probably than your average than your average issue, I would say. At the end of the day, we're still going to talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> We're contractually obligated. <laughs> uh, let's hope she makes it this far to uh, actually hear her email being read on air. <laughs> well, I, I I gave her a heads up. We were I was going to mention it the next the next time we recorded. So hopefully, and may, I'll maybe I'll throw it in the episode description too. It's like we've got feedback, which is rare onto itself yeah. these days because we have even regular Lantern Cast proper. We haven't you know we haven't exactly been packing it. You know, packing it in on, on that level. So, come on, people. Thanks for the feedback. Yes, thank you very much. So, speaking of feedback, let me before Jim and I do another selfless plug for another show that we do, which I'll let Jim handle. Let me do the usual selfless plug for for this for this show. Uh, email lanterncast at gmail dot com. Website lanterncast dot com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Hashtag GLcast on all of those. We're on iTunes and Stitcher, so whichever one you listen to or listen to us on or both, leave us positive reviews if you would like. And 708 Lantern for any voicemail feedback regarding pre-birth, regarding a Lantern cast proper, Chad's Green Arrow, Green Lantern, and any, anything else. So take okay. it away, Jim. <laughs> and uh, Mark and I also host another podcast. Okay, good night, everybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. It's the greatest toy podcast, and uh, we're up to actually we're going to be recording episode fifteen right after this. So we've been doing it for a few weeks now, and it's basically all the toy news that comes out each week. And you could find it at greatesttoypodcast.com, or if you just search for toy podcast in iTunes, where uh, we're like the fourth or fifth option as of this recording, anyway. And rising fast. Well. Maintaining, maintaining now. That's right. <laughs> now, now we we rose fast. Now we're maintaining. So, with your help, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll keep rising, or certainly at least not slip backwards. <laughs> yeah, listen, listen. Number four on the first row of the iTunes results for toy podcast. I'd say that's pretty good. We're in some pretty good company that's been like established. Like either these other podcasts have like way bigger like listener bases than us. Or they've been like seriously established, or they have absolutely nothing to do with toys, and for some reason there's a keyword that just happens to pop them up in that search. And by golly, they're they're beating us because they're not talking about toys. <laughs> so greatesttoypodcast.com. And on that note, I think we should probably cut out. I think we will. So we probably, I'm gonna. We've been pretty dead on so far with our projections of when we'll be back. I'm going to say there's a pretty good shot we'll come back in July. If not, it will be August. It all depends. Chad and I will probably, depending on when, how often 
Chad with his new job is is kind of like make, making a tad. And once he gets into this, he gets more of a routine. I don't think it'll be an issue. But kind of up till now, anyway, our recording schedule has kind of been difficult to coordinate. It's a little more difficult. So we may, if we have to play a lot of catch up in July, then it's possible that we won't. Even if we do this in July, it may not come out till August. But I'm still going to say that a decent shot. We'll have an issue. We'll do the parallax issue in uh, covered in, in an episode in July. But we will be back certainly in August at the absolute latest. And I think. And that'll be a good a good episode. I think you guys will will like that one. Yeah, I think I might like that one too. I think so too. You like the <laughs> you like the two face, and I think all, off the top of my head, at least through the first uh, ten issues, pretty much, or let's say the first half, since the series is only what it lasted what twenty. It was twenty seven, right? I think it was twenty seven issues it lasted. So we're kind of almost. So we're kind of like a third. We're actually a third of the way through. Yeah, give 27. or take. Yeah. So I think for, for the first third. Into the middle, into the first uh, two thirds, I would say that Parallax and, and the and the the Two Face issues are probably the two best, like one off issues, certainly I think. But but we'll be back to cover that soon. So good night, everybody. Quarters in session, no appeal on the docket today, just my home sin. The walls cold and pale, the cage made of steel. Screams fill the room, alone I drop and kneel. Silence now. The